All right, social media family. Thank you once again for joining us for our final installment in the A Better Way to Pray series. And the subtitle tonight is You Can Receive from God. You Can Receive from God. So let's start. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. We're going to look at verse 17. Very familiar scripture. Romans 10, 17. Mm-hmm. We'll look at that at the King in the King James and in the Amplified Classic. In the King James reads, So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. In the Amplified Classic, it reads like this. So faith comes by hearing what is told, and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, our ears, hearing. Now, I know we, we talk a lot about how important it is, what we hear. Now, why, well, let me, let me, let me step back. I'll ask this. Do we make the mistake of overemphasizing this? Yes or no? We can. Sometimes we do. We overgo about it, you know, like hearing, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, you're in a room, you hear something. Well, what is it? Andrew Womack even talks about it like, you know, a bird can fly over your head, but it doesn't mean, you know, it's going to land, you know, a nest, you know, make a nest in your head or, or over the tree, you know, as long as the thought doesn't take root, you know, with you. But being careful, but not like scared about it, you know, keeping a balance. That's why I would say anyway. I think we don't make enough of what it is exactly that we hear. I've heard other people translate this as faith cometh by hearing and hearing the anointed word of God, hearing the Rhema word of God, which is a little different than just any word of God. When he speaks something to you, it's got an unction to it, and you grab hold of that, and faith comes. That's so true because it, then it would mean any, you know, many folks sitting in church for years, like the religious skeptics, Julius talks about they sit and listen and listen to the word all day long, but there's no substance to it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I don't think we do a good, a good enough job of hearing. Mm-hmm. You're right. That's what I really, I don't I think we do a good now being sensitive to his voice. I've had times where uh, I wanted to uh, believe I had faith and I would say, you know, confess something and believe it and nothing happened. And then other times he would show me something and then that would come to pass immediately. That's because you got a rhema. Yeah, it'd come to pass immediately. I had this, faith for it. And I, it, it says, came to pass. Of, of the lips of Christ, every word that came from his mouth was anointed. It's not just. Any lips. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I think we struggle with hearing, you know, versus mm-hmm. is it me? Is it the enemy? You know, is it God? We struggle with that. 
And so, of course, you know, in order to be better at hearing, I think, of course, we spend a, we spend a lot of time talking about relationships. So relationships have to be cultivated. That's the key. Yeah, and so great relationship is not cultivated, and then it's going to be hard for you to hear. Hmm. For example, let's say you're believing you, you, you need, you feel like you need something. So you just decide, well, I'm going to believe God for this. And so you start confessing a certain scripture and that originated with me. I'm learning. I have to go to the Lord and say, what do you say about this? What verse do you want me to stand on? How do you want approach this? How do you want to get this to me? And when I've heard, then I have position to stand and start decreeing and declaring. But I think Christians just start picking their own verses and going around making decrees and declaring. And then when things don't work out the way they should, it's because they didn't hear. They did. We have to hear from God before we just start decreeing stuff. I met a guy who, who said he was believing for two Cadillacs because he didn't get them. But this isn't true. <laughs> like when people say, well, if there's a storm coming, you just rebuke it. That's what Jesus did. Well, Jesus did that because that's what he heard the Father do, say. He did nothing but, okay, when Paul was on that ship, why didn't he rebuke the storm? He oh. could have said, well, we have that example. Jesus rebuked the storm. The Holy Spirit told him. But he didn't be do right. it because the Holy Spirit had already spoken to him that they were going to go through this storm because they disobeyed about staying on the island, but no life would be lost. Hmm. So he didn't presumptuously just override what the angel said. No, we're going to save the boat by by doing that. So there's a we have to hear from God, and I think that accounts for so many prayer failures because we just launch out on our own without having heard from God. We have to be led by the Spirit in everything, you know. And I've been learning that the hard way because I've done all the other stuff. <sighs> What's the matter? Well, it's because I didn't hear from God first. I decided what I was going to pray and how I thought it should happen. <clears throat> not that God said you can't have that, but it's just not the way he wanted to do it. But we have to hear from him before we have anything to stand on. So I think that being led by the Spirit is critical. But I also think then we have the, the debate of what common sense says, do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but are you going to be led by revelation or reason? Right, but I'm saying we have to <laughs> That's the battle, because, right? You know, I've talked to people, you know, okay, Lord, well, all right, but common sense says you need to do this. Well, and you got to think what happened, what I just said about the night, the evening I got out of the hospital. Common sense. Yeah, human reasoning would say, go home and go to bed. You just got out of the hospital. You had this done. They just took my knees out and all this stuff. You need to go home and rest. Right. That's what I was doing. I go, it's Thursday. She was so happy. She's like, I go, I want to go. Should I go? And I go, I was waiting like, to hear from you. And you go, yeah. You know? <laughs> I knew it was good. I mean, I already knew it was good, but I go, just hearing it. Like, I said, either way, and then Dennis was like, if you feel up to it, I would just say, I go. mean, can you imagine certain doctors going like, yeah. You just came in here for four days ago. You didn't go home. I go, no, no. It was so, it was, so, I like it, but sometimes you get it so impressed, 
Yeah. You know it's God. Nobody can change your mind. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to do a lot And of you have to defy human reasoning and just forget what other people think or say. The issue is, we went to Walmart and I said, I want to pick something out just to slip somewhere so it'll be a little more reasonable. And I said, <clears throat> she goes, whatever you want to do, Mom. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. And we said, I go, that was stepping up going into mm -hmm. all the, how the brain is here. I was definitely mm -hmm. dragging right in the middle of it. But I was glad. Being sensitive to his voice, too, is where I've said, you know, I've testified to this a few times before here <laughs> with others that I've had situations in my life where I knew, like, you know, God had told me, like, red lights or something. And I I knew. And then I ended up finding why, finding out why. But then hearing him say yes, and it's like, well, how do you know? I mean, of course, you really knew. Especially big situations in life. You go to God a lot. But, I mean, it's the point. It's like, well, how do you know, you know, what's like to hear him say yes? Because I knew what it was like to hear him say no. You know, like, you know, it's tuning in, you know? Yeah. It's good. It's real good. When we, I was listening to everybody and I heard, especially what um, Terry said, it drew me, drew me to another scripture. Let's go to um, Luke 10. Luke 10, and we'll go to, let's start at verse 23. I'll start at verse 22. And I'll read it in the Amplified Classic. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, All things have been given, this is Jesus speaking, he says, All things have been given over into my power. By my father, and no one knows who the son is except the father, or who the father is except the son, and anyone to whom the son may choose to reveal and make him known. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, blessed to be envied are those whose eyes see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings long to see what you see, and they did not see it, and to hear what you hear. And they did not hear it. 25 and 26, look at this. It says, mm -hmm. and then a certain lawyer arose to try, test, tempt him, saying, teacher, what am I to do to inherit everlasting life? That is to partake of eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom. Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? You, see, you notice that second question you asked? Mm -hmm. How do you read it? Because two, two people can be listening or hearing, hearing the same thing, but it be interpreted two different ways. It be received two different ways. And him ask, asking this question here, how do you read it? Because you can go into the Old Testament, and if you have your grace glasses on, you can see Jesus. You can see the grace Everybody. of God, the goodness of God throughout Everybody. the whole Old Testament. But, yeah, your law works righteousness glasses on. 
what are you going to see? Judgment. Judgment. Yeah. Punishment. Punishment. Yeah, yes. And you're going to see that not only in the old, but in the new as well. Yes. Why? Because that's the that's the lens. That's how you're reading it. That's the I, paradigm. I had to overcome that with reading Proverbs because the writers of Proverbs are sick of Lord, sick of you're going to get so when we're praying for about the wicked, you know, you're tempted to join in the, those Proverbs, yeah. quote yeah. them and decree them. You know how many people that I've witnessed to that said, you believe that? That God, that God, all God did was kill everybody. That's all he did. Every time they messed up, he killed them. You follow, you want to follow that guy? But people that don't know him, that's what they see when they read the Old Testament. That's what I come to. Yeah. Like I said a while back. Yep. Very big to say, um, what about those people God killed? <laughs> and at the time, I didn't know how to understand, mm -hmm. you know, to answer it. And I look now and go, that wasn't what he was telling. A lot of times you mentioned Proverbs. I was thinking, like, I used to, too. I'd read it, and it'd be, like, very judgmental. It'll feel like every time I'd be like, don't you be an adulterer. Don't do this. This is going to do this. And I go, then I read it in the past couple of years. Mom and I used to do it every day. Think back to that. that was really good. And I'd read it sometimes. Yeah, I'd read it by myself. And I go, you know, it sounds like a grandma shelling peas, just warning you. You know, yeah, life. Listen. It was like, mm -hmm. hey, let me tell you. If you do certain draws to it too, it's like it would sound like a country grandmother just going like, son, let me tell you, you be wise now. Don't you go running off with with you know other other ladies. Don't do this. You're gonna be. Paying off child support, you're gonna be doing this and that. It's like you know, if you read it and translate it that way, it's just like really cool, you know. All right, since we're going to Proverbs, let's let we talk about it. Let's go there. All right, let's do a do a, do, which, do a exercise. All right, let's go to Proverbs 3. <laughs> Start at verse 30. It says, Strive not with a man without cause, if he have done thee no harm. Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. Verse 32. For the forward, for the forward is an abomination to the Lord, but his secret is with the righteous. The curse of the Lord is in the house house of the wicked, but he <clears throat> but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. The wise shall inherit glory, but shame shall be the promotion of fools. Now, I'm gonna ask the question that Jesus did. How do you read it? How do you read that? I see blessings. He just tells you what to stay what to stay away from. And he gives you grace in the other areas. 
It's like, don't do this, it will harm you. Do this, it will help you and bless you. Simple. Okay. Okay. Anything else? The curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. Well, he's in a lot of houses. That curse is in a lot of houses nowadays. But he blesses the habitation of the just. Glory. I mean, when I read a lot of these verses now, because I'm not the wicked, I don't put, I don't concentrate on these verses as much. I read that I read about the blessing of the righteous person, and I said, "Oh Lord, I thank you that by the blood of Jesus, I'm one of those." All of and I used to really focus more on. The other side, but I've noticed lately not so much. All that is is you're reaping what you sow. I think. Yeah, Terry says something. See, when you look at it through the lens of a righteous person, someone who's been made righteous, then it has a different mm -hmm. impact. You receive differently from this, right? Because it says the curse of the Lord is. In the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Who's the just? We are us. Through Jesus, yeah. We are justified through through Jesus. Right. Now, if I if I look at this through my works righteousness glasses, I'm looking for something to do. I'm looking at this and say, oh shoot! If I want to know, if I really want to hear the Lord, I better be righteous. I better get righteous. I better do something righteous. Right. So it is a it is me trying to obtain the state of righteousness so I can receive something. Instead of me looking at this and saying, wow, his secret is with me because of me being righteous in Christ Jesus. So his secret is with me. So that, what does that do? That puts us in a, a place of expectation to hear. It gives me hope that, hey, my habitation is blessed mm -hmm. yes. because I am the just. Mm -hmm. Not that I have to get just because I've been justified. You read that through the eyes of faith rather than the eyes of fear. Because reading it through the eyes of fear will make you feel like you have to do something in order to get that. Mm -hmm. You know, I even looked at the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked. That part, and I go, you know, if somebody like mom says she dealt with one of our family members going, you know, years ago, going like, oh, God did this and this and that and whatever. It's like, now we know, you know, we say, it's like, you know what? You know, if you lead somebody who is not righteous through Jesus yet, you just let him. It's like, you know what? But Jesus took the curse and, you know, I'm going to show you to Jesus. I'm going to tell you, you know, that you can have his blessings and stuff. And he loves you. He wants you to have this good stuff. You know, like a good way to explain it to someone who's like, well, I'm not righteous. What is this curse in my house? No, 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 no. Jesus took the curse. Let me explain this, you know, and then come to Jesus. You're going to be blessed. That kind of thing, too. I remember way back when a friend of mine, his aunt died, and he ended up with a, a nice house, a new car, a boat, and a bunch of money. And I remember saying, why him? Why not me? I remember saying, Lord, what is it? You're not supposed to favor anybody, but you're obviously favoring this guy. 
And I was so young and immature, I didn't know any better. Now somebody gets all that stuff, I'd, I'd say, good for you, and I would mean it. You know, I'd rejoice with them. It's like maybe they needed it, right? It's like, you know. Well, you get to the point where you don't want something that's not from the Lord. I heard, that's what I heard today. Jeremy Pearsons did the best teaching on true prosperity. And he said, it's not having stuff. Because stuff without God brings sorrow and toil. It's having things with God. God's in it. It's because of him, with him, through him that you have the things. Because you can live in a mansion full of strife. And you can live in a 500 square foot house Proverbs. full of joy. Yeah. And he said, so without, he said, worldly people don't understand this. It's not the stuff. If God's not in it, there's sorrow. And I thought that's a, that's a really good way to look at it. That's correct. All right, let me let me pull some statements from our outline here. So when we hear teaching from God's word concerning healing, deliverance, prosperity, or anything else Jesus provided in his atonement, our faith is strengthened to receive. Once we've known we've already got it in the spiritual realm, manifestation in the physical realm comes swiftly. As our knowledge and understanding of something increases from the word, we can release our faith and, to, and see it manifest more quickly. Those we pray, pray for play a large role in whether or not they receive. All right. Now, we talked about that a, a lot in the last couple, couple weeks. Next point is sometimes people are just ignorant of how faith works, even though they love God. And, the, and that will keep them from receiving ignorance yeah. ignorance yeah. because scripture the scripture says faith cometh by hearing yeah. but if I don't if I haven't heard how can I believe if I haven't heard well if I've heard something incorrectly or probably you know something is distorted so that's going to lead me to a different, it's leading me down a, a path where I'm going, I'm, hind, I'm hindered by my, my own ignorance. So this is why, like you said earlier, it's so important for us to, to, to be mindful of what we're hearing. Are we hearing something that is rightly divided? Is it biblically yeah. sound? Is yeah. it in context? Because if it's not, then we're setting ourselves up to be hindered in our in our faith. Yes. You could have a wrong belief system and you don't even realize it. I had something for a long time I've been believing for and in my life, and I didn't realize until recently, my mom knows what I'm saying, that I had a a little pebble, or it would seem to be of a wrong belief with it. And I was wondering, like, why isn't this coming to manifest? Why isn't this coming? Why isn't this happening? Blah, 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 blah. And then finally, like, recently, you know, I feel like I can show you the status right now. 
is that God was showing me. First, he showed me, he goes, Julie, you blamed me for taking this away. He wasn't condemning me. God doesn't condemn, you know. But it was a pointing out. I mean, I knew it was like a gentle firmness. It was like, I go, I did. It was like a situation where I go, I wouldn't come out and say God took it away from me, you know, because that's how we believe. That's not how I generally believe my heart. Mm -hmm. But it was certain ways we would talk about a situation, including my mom, she knows it too, and um, my best friend knows, and it's a couple other folks that know about it. I go, I would talk like, well, God wants me to have this, but I have to do this first, you know, or, well, you know, it would all be, the well would be in there, the bad well, like, well, and then God was like, showing me, and that started months ago, him showing me, I go, okay, <laughs> I blamed you, it was an inadvertent blaming, you know, see, that was, that can be a hindrance, you know, you have that, your faith on that side of your mouth, and then your doubt on this side of your mouth, and then that helped, and then more and more, I realized, I go, wow, God, you don't want me talking, that way, even though it seemed like faith or it seemed like God's will, and I go, that's why it's so important, you know. I mean, like, I uh, mean, I needed to hear, you know, I, I didn't realize, you know, you know how important it was to know God's will and His true intentions, you know. And then once I realized, I go, oh, so they got my side of my mouth, I got both sides going the right way. I was like, okay, <laughs> now we're talking. But it, it helped, you know, to get that blockage, you know, out of the way. That's good. It's hearing the right word because what's the right word for me may not be the right word for you. Truly. That's yeah. the danger when people give their testimonies and they explain what verse God gave them and they stood yes. on it. So then a lot of times because we're lazy or we don't know any better, True. we just say, well, that worked for them. That's what I'm going to do. But that's not being led by the Spirit. The Lord may lead you a completely different way. Yeah. toward the same end and we can't be spiritual copycats no. and necessarily reap what that other person did. And I think somebody walked away from God because they wrote a book and not that the book wasn't encouraging, but they based their whole life off of it. You know? Because what that person was teaching had fruit. Yeah. But they started with a seed. We want their fruit. Yeah. Without it just helping without us, you know, the seed. help us go along, but not like be the foundation. Yeah, you think about how many times you, you saw you read a book of the years, you said, You're good. Yeah, this is going to change your life. Yeah, so you read your life. <laughs> it didn't minister to you. It's not a bad book. So I'm not, but what is I'm supposed to get out of it yet? It, other than God loves me and stuff like that. So, wasn't a word in due season for you like it was for the yeah, other person. Yeah, it could be a year later. You pick yeah. it back up. You have you bought a copy because they were so reading. Yeah, you look at it. You go, I think I want to read this. It's like God telling you to read. You go, oh, how did I not say this before? That's yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Next point says faith works by knowledge of the word. God has already healed every person. Mm -hmm. When we ask and believe, the power is instantly released. Next point. If we don't see it manifest, it's not that God hasn't given. Either we haven't received or there's a demonic obstacle preventing the manifestation. All right. Now I'm going to sit on this point here. All right. It's very simple. Very black and white. Now... Why is why is this this point here such a difficult one for for some to swallow? What's the scripture again? Right, I'm gonna read that statement again. 
This is from the study guide. It says right. if we don't see, if we don't see it manifest, all right, the promise of God mm -hmm. is not that God hasn't given. Right. Either we have haven't yet received, or there's a demonic obstacle prevent, preventing the manifestation. Now, do we agree with that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But it's difficult to receive sometimes because we have to take responsibility. Like for something, you know. Yeah, it's like some good. Yeah, it's like well, will God just you know willed it that way? He's <laughs> like, no, he didn't. Okay. It's the faith neutral position, right? You don't have to believe anything for that. See what God does, right? That's when you go back to sovereignty, doctor. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. That way, there's, there's nothing required of you. Next point says, it's not God's fault, but ours, if we don't see something come to pass. Now, how can we take this one wrong, this point here? Condemning. Instead of going, well, like I was saying earlier, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, I was speaking two mm -hmm. sides of my mouth, you know, but... Um, You'll personalize it and say you're exactly, not worthy. Exactly, yeah, like... Um, you know, I thought about Mike Hesh with healing journeys. He talks about it. He goes, out of his own ignorance, he had, you know, eight years he believed was healing. And he'll say his own ignorance, but he talks about it. he wasn't condemned. He just didn't know. You know, it was not like he was bad and he was pushing God away. He was very open to God. He just mm -hmm. had a lot of condemnation stuff going on, you know. Okay. Yeah. Because that that part there it's it's freeing to know that okay God has already provided all things pertaining to life and godliness it's all is ours in Christ but that whole part about accountability and, and personal responsibility in, in walking out our faith we we need to understand, okay, yes, there is a role that I play, but my role is to maintain that relationship and sensitivity to the voice of the Holy Spirit. That's my primary job. It's not about how many times I confess XYZ scripture or how many specific hours I spend in prayer. Now, the paradox is that all those things, confessing the word in that time in prayer, is going to do what? It's going to sharpen our ears. It, it'll help us. It can help us to be more sensitive to the voice of the word, to really understand, okay, yeah, that's, that's the Lord leading me this way. But it's, it's not, the, it's not the, the fact that I'm, I'm doing it per se. It's not the volume by which I'm doing it. It is my exposure to that interaction with him. It's love. Right. It's me 
just engaging in that dialogue. Because the more you talk to a person, the more time you spend with them, what happens? You get to know them. Yeah. You, you just get to know more about them, their mannerisms, yeah. and what their baseline is. You see past the outside. All right, because that's, a, that's a, a term we use. That's a, like you know, medical terms. Like, okay, what is the baseline behavior? Like, what is normal within normal limits for this person? Yeah. And we know that if, if you see something, a person is talking a certain way or, or they're, they're dressed a certain way or something is, you know when something is off based on their presentation all those other times you saw them, right? Their baseline. Yeah. You know, when someone's up, someone's down, if they're fake and smiling, if they're not, you right. know. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you really know. When I was working in the car business, we had a guy pull up <coughs> one of those big metal bars in front of the building so you don't drive through the building. He put the bumper of the car against it, put it in gear, and stepped on it. And sat there when the tires were smoking and digging into the asphalt. And then when he turned, he used to be a salesman there. He turned the key off. He got out and walked up into the sales room. And the boss came over and said to me, if the chief of the keys are in that car, go move it. I went over to get in it. And there's a, a box for a pistol laying in the back seat. And I grabbed it and it was empty. And I thought, this lunatic has that pistol in there. I went back to the boss and said, <clears throat> I ain't moving that car no matter what. And I said, you better get somebody up there. I think that guy's got a gun up there. Oh, boy. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, it didn't turn into nothing, but the guy had mental illness, and he ended up trying to kill himself. And oh. well, he didn't kill anybody where we were, but it was it was spooky. And you got to trust the Lord when you get into situations. Like, all right, what do I do now? Do I listen to my boss or do I back out of this, you know? When, we would, when that, that statement was made, you know, are we going to listen to reason? Or are we going to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit? And everybody that we read about in Hebrews 11, what did they follow? They didn't follow human reason. Mm -hmm. By faith, through faith, mm -hmm. with faith. Abraham at first. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. When, when he was trying to make babies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And see, and, that and, wasn't his fault, though. But that's the that's the thing is like, and and that's even more freeing to see how Abraham he stepped out. He made mistakes. He made plenty of them. Mm -hmm. But he landed was, well. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Because he's called the what? The friend of God, mm -hmm. the father of the faith. This dude, Abraham. Yeah. yeah. So you see his failings. But God and his faithfulness mm -hmm. continue to interact. Well, I read that, that that would have been any red-blooded man's failings. His <laughs> wife brought him an 18-year-old gorgeous Muslim woman and said, Please, honey, take her and have a baby with her. Now, what did he think he said? Oh, I can't do that. No way. <laughs> he jumped at it. He jumped on that chance. I'll give men more credit than I won't. There might be some that some of those guys had ten wives, 
And they brought her in there. Every work fit right in with the culture. Everything was right, and he he went with it. Hmm. All right, I'm not gonna mess with. I ain't gonna do that. Yeah, I, I won't go Next touch point. it. Put Don't yourself in that place. Your put yourself. Not gonna say that on Facebook. Put yourself in that place where you have a culture where men men have many wives. Not your wife can't have a baby, and your wife brings you this young, gorgeous girl and says, Here, have a baby with her. That's part of the culture. Yeah. It'd be hard to say no, is what I'm saying. I don't know if you choose to go to the next statement. <laughs> <laughs> so he's done already incriminated himself. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'll put myself thousands of years ago into a culture. It's enough already. <laughs> next point. <laughs> if, if God's if God's faithfulness ever comes into question, then all of us are in trouble. Yeah. Oh boy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's a big one there. You know, and but let me I don't want to belabor this point, but this right here, okay, if God's faithfulness ever comes into question, then all of us are in trouble. Now, we know that God is, he's, he's loving, all-knowing, all-powerful, right? Now, with that being said, how do we protect ourselves from getting to a place of, of frustration and fatigue when we don't see manifestations in, in our lives and the lives of the people we love quicker than we hope for. Like, how do we protect ourselves from that disappointment and from, from bitterness? Like keeping relationship and staying in the word. There's no other way. And you're going to suffer. A lot of times you're going to suffer. There's no getting around it. Yeah, but you got to know that you love, too. You got to know that you love. Sometimes I just think about how long Abraham had to wait. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Romans 8. Verse 24, and then we'll read. We'll just keep going down. I'll read this in the New Living Translation. It says, We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have we don't yet have, we must wait patiently. And confidently, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers 
in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God calls us everything to work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. <laughs> and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. All right, and before I keep reading, do you hear verse 3? Three. Three. I mean, verse 30. And have chosen them, and he called them to come to him. Now, he's talking about all of us. And have called them, and he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. So we talk about identification, mm -hmm. justification, oneness with this the son. Now, verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? How strong is that? Strong. But 26 is used for everything. And 26 uh, is really, God works all things together for good for those that are praying in the spirit, basically. If he gave the most precious, valuable thing in the entire universe, what's a house? Mm -hmm. What's an electric bill paid? What's, I mean, if we if we look at things from his perspective, it causes the things that are so big to us becomes in the right proportion. Mm -hmm. Paying electric bill in Florida, that's a big deal. Your sister's paying 700 and some dollar electric bills. 900? Oh, man. Yeah, I can't see, imagine. I see if I was looking at it, I'd be confessing this scripture every day. Really? <laughs> really? <laughs> but uh, now we laugh at that in just, right? But look at how minuscule everything is. Mm -hmm. Yes. In comparison to what? God has already provided in the person of, of Jesus Christ. I mean, God became flesh and submitted himself to death, took upon himself our sin <clears throat> to bring us into relationship with him. So if he did all that, then this little piddly stuff that we deal with mm -hmm. is nothing. Gotta put it in perspective. It's nothing. But the thing is, we we have to maintain that perspective mm -hmm. because but life will shout at you and grab your attention. So if you're not if we're not intentional about mm -hmm. reminding ourselves of what has what has already been done for us, what he, what God has provided, then 
the pressure, the irritation of the trouble is going to eat away at our confidence. Thirty three says because we're focusing on the problem rather than the problem mm -hmm. provider. The problem is looking at the lack of provision instead of the provider. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Says who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then can condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. So he sees you as a conqueror, even if you're killed for your faith. He still sees you as a conqueror. And our minds don't go there. Our mind sees us being dead. Not a conqueror, just dead. Mm -hmm. I bet if you're murdered for your faith, I bet the minute you enter heaven, there's a party going on for you. People are jumping and shouting and thrilled. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 38. Paul says, And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. That is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. That ought to make you shout. Paul said he's convinced. King James says, I'm persuaded. How do you think he became persuaded? Mm-hmm. Experientially, and for him to say these wonderful things, you got to remember that man. They were trying to murder him every week. I mean, he was beat up, whipped, stoned, almost drowned, robbed. I mean, you name it, and he's just constantly walking in that victory. Even though to the natural man, it doesn't look like a victory at all. He looks like he was on a perpetual journey of being mugged. That's the same man that penned all this. Yeah. Which makes it more glorious. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. It really does. Mm -hmm. I think silly how he came from all the bad. <clears throat> and he never looked back. 
Or we just kind of say, righteous and worthy because of Jesus. We just keep going and did all this. Everywhere he went, there were demons going ahead of him saying, here comes this wicked man and we, we need to rise up and do this to him and that to him and the other thing. And by the time he got there, man, it was already a crowd that was rowdy and wanting to kill him. Final points on our outline says, God moved 2,000 years ago in the death, burial, and resurrection of his son. He instantly answers our prayers as soon as we pray. But sometimes those prayers need to be properly directed. We may not, we may not be Jesus, but we're the best God has to work with through at work through at the moment. Makes you want to say, poor God, always got to me. <laughs> our perseverance in prayer could mean the difference between others receiving their miracles or not. It might take us a while. But let's adopt this attitude. If we can move the devil an inch, we can move him a mile. An inch at a time if we have to. So we can receive from God. Now, since this is the last lesson I wanted to spend, I wanted to give a little time towards the end to kind of to recap. about just prayer and why why it's important and what dangers there are in overemphasizing it and underemphasizing. Okay. Now, what is I'll start on the other end. Now, can we underemphasize prayer? And if so, why is it why is that dangerous? I think you under it would affect your relationship. I said the same thing also. Yeah, it's going to affect it. I mean, that you know, you're coming to him almost like a stranger if you haven't had time with him. Right. All right. The scripture says, pray without ceasing, right? Mm -hmm. Pray, pray, pray. All yeah, day. the religious thing is like, how did you do that? It means you can't work do anything. You're you constantly praying, pray, pray, pray. It was like, no, just talk to God all the time. And no, it's you're at register five at Food Lion and you're just bringing stuff up and you have this idea come to you and you're like, oh God, yeah, okay, you can talk to me about that. Okay. <laughs> so it's like a running dialogue. Yeah. Right. So because you know on your phone, you, you, you know, you give a text message, <laughs> person responds, you send another text, they respond. Yeah. And you got this long, continuous string of messages. Nobody stopped talking. There was some time that would elapse between yeah. one message to the next. But as long as you got your phone on, that line of communication is still open. Yeah. Yes. When I was a mechanic, I could talk out loud all, all I wanted because the shop's so noisy. 
you can be under a car doing stuff and be talking just like we are now. Mm-hmm. Nobody can hear you. <laughs> One of my youth leaders, she was a um, dental hygienist, and she said she prayed and talked about the drill was going because she had her mask on and you know, she would do it. Wow. Language, yeah, so. that's creative. I'm telling you, that's effective time management right there. <laughs> yeah. It's like cool. Yeah. Then we can do that in the shower. Mm-hmm. Driving. Driving, definitely. Definitely. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm serious. Yeah, I'm I'm walk the best place. Getting out of that oh, boat. Yes. Yeah. Fishing or just rock? You know? oh, he's a fisherman. He, he goes fishing with me all the time when I go. Yeah. Can't wait to you start again. motorcycles out here just in <laughs> He must have <laughs> bagged my groceries when I'm reading them because I'm telling oh my gosh, like I'm dead serious. I was going to tell mom today something really hit me serious. When I was at work and I go, I had to be God because I wasn't thinking about the subject matter, but it was just in between my job. I just go like, that's one of my really coolest points with God, maybe it's because my mind's off everything, and, and I'm working, I'm focused on working, but it's, I'm not thinking too hard, and it's just, it'll be, I'll be clean rubbers, or be just bringing something in between, and it'll be, okay, wow, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. That's cool, that's cool, okay, all right, so the danger of overemphasizing prayer is, becomes like a job. Yeah, we said, you gotta get in that closet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. all that depends on your definition of prayer. Yeah, it stops being natural prayer? and spontaneous and it starts to become a If you a work. say it's constant communication with God, you can't overemphasize that to me. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it really depends on your working yeah, definition of prayer. The religious form of pray without ceasing. When we talk, it's like, how do I do that? Because the notion, you see things differently, you go, the notion is, so you can I talk to him like a friend. I have to do this. I don't have time to do that. I work. Mm-hmm. I think I'm calling cuckoo. Well, well you can talk to him like a friend, or you can get on the other way and start saying, Oh, thou holy, yeah. lifted up, high and mighty God, and get religious about it. And then it's it's dead. It's, it's, it's talking to and him he like he's standing next sure. to you. And eventually he's going, I can't do this. I don't want to do it. I was riding one time and I said, look at this sunset. Isn't this sunset great? He said, I made that sun. I said, yeah, right. <laughs> what am I doing? Can you think of what when Andrew talked about how he began to dread that prayer time and the Lord said to him, you dread it. I really dread it. I, like I dread it 30 minutes before you ever start. I think that was one of my favorite that stories. That was my favorite <laughs> story. Yes. Oh, I, I was going to dread it 30 minutes there was a guy going around what everybody to pray what an hour a day or two hours a day? It was an hour. An hour? And he went to Andrew and wanted to know how much you prayed and Andrew wouldn't tell him. I remember. Andrew said, Whatever I tell you. He said, If I tell you I pray five hours, you're gonna feel bad. If I tell you I pray a half hour, you're gonna tell me I don't pray enough. So I'm not gonna tell you. Yeah, it was a doctrine that started going through the church. And I guess we're saying the danger of overemphasizing, you know, prayer or whatever, but the wrong kind of prayer. Obviously. Well, the minute you do that and you put times on it, yeah, it, it's a work. It becomes a work. Yes, and that's when we went to church, the former church we used to go to, they would talk about that. Actually, a couple of churches I used to go to, it would be talked about. It was, you know, like, it would be like a husband or a wife, you know, like a, a part, you know, someone who was married, and they'd go like, you know, I hear people say they drive to work and they talk to God, we do their prayer time, you know, on their way to work, and they go, that's good, but, you know, if, all I did was have my relationship with my husband on the way, you know, driving in a car or whatever. You know, we need, you need more time than that. I'm, thought, I'm thinking, what? 
what if you get to where, you know, I thought about like, you know, when you talk to somebody all the time, they're always with you. Mm-hmm. you know? Then it doesn't make it out like, you have to have a prayer closet, but it doesn't make it out like you're limiting God to like that car ride either. It's just, you just talk to him. No, it's everywhere. When you get out of the car, he gets that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you have to be careful in that too. You know, when you tell people about praying, I know me coming up, it was that you have to do it. Right. Instead of you want to do it. You know, you get to, right? You got to want to do it, you know, and you teach them about the benefits of it. And so make that person want to do it versus like, okay, if you don't pray, then you ain't going to get this, and you ain't going to get this. And the reason why you didn't get it is because you didn't pray. So therefore, the person's like, okay, well, let me start praying because I'm missing out on stuff. And some preachers will come around and say, I get up five o'clock every morning and I pray till seven, and y'all, y'all need to be able to do that too. You know, at least two hours a day, right. and then he's putting you under the law and he doesn't know it. I love that example. I mentioned it here before. So, um, the ministry team, and I'm not gonna say names because I agree with everything they teach, but it's a lot of good stuff though. And the husband, he was raised in church all his life, and then the wife, she was. The heathen crazy lady until they were in college, they met, he let her to the Lord. It's a long story. And if I sell something, you tell some folks even listen to me, I don't know what I'm talking about. But however, when they got to their married life and they, you know, she grew in God and really, really liked this. I mean, she didn't have a father in her life very well. God became her father, you know. And he had a good father, which was good, but anyway, he he was ministering. He goes, he used to judge her prayer life as though she just prayed like 15 minutes in the morning in the shower. You know, he would watch her and stuff because she wouldn't, he would get up, pray three hours, get the coffee, you know, pot down his throat. You know, he was, you know, that kind of guy and he'd get the five in the morning and he goes, they would make decisions as a married couple and she would be submissive. She would do the thing like if he made the decision and he goes, he noticed a lot of times she was right. Like whatever did, whatever decision they made ended up being her and he'd go like, man, we should have made her, you know, we should have did what she wanted to do. And anyways, God showed him one time, he showed him about the embarrassing too, but he goes, he started to notice about his wife because she communes with God all day. Like she would just be like, you know, she would talk about, yeah, I was in the kitchen and God was talking to me about this. And he or, fulfilled his little block of time. Yeah. And, that was it. and then she he realized that it was and you know, even if you read her books and stuff, some of the things were really good and stuff. Um, she was, you know, you could tell she really just that was her dating, you know, God was dating, you know, I said, Whoa, you know. That's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. What would you say has been the the, the biggest nuggets, the take takeaways from this study on prayer? Relationship. Yeah. The heart of God. It's love. That's me. That's what I like. Because that's what we need right now in this time. That's what I'm asking about. That's me. Based on and kind of following what the mom is saying, you know, what true prayer is, what you're saying, you know, just based on the relationship with God and his love and stuff. But the biggest thing I learned is, you know, prayer is not like a, a curriculum you got for, for Right, right. Yeah. It's not a curriculum. It's like, okay, you know, I got to take this class. 
And you know what? Get that notebook. Right. Take them it's notes. not a box and you right. check off. <laughs> right. So let me pass this class and see how well I do. No, it's not curriculum. It's like as we tell you know, it's communion. You got you get to commune with them on on a daily basis. You know, like you said, there's no no particular what's where we use posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's just okay, whatever time you have or whatever. As you were saying, whenever he's on your mind, whatever you, you know, you see him communicate, he communes, communes back with you, talks back with you. So, but you know, if you just look at a curriculum, like you, see, you mm-hmm. check off, oh, I checked it off today, I prayed. Okay, I'm done. I feel good about myself. Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm a good old Christian. You missed it. Try that on your wife. Right. Talk to her for an hour in the morning and check that off the box, and then the rest of the day you ignore her. <laughs> I was talking to a priest who had to, who had to go do it. I don't know what they're called when the priest goes and does this thing. And I was talking to this priest one time. He said, "Watch me, Gene. He said, "I can knock this out in forty-five minutes." And when he went in there, I thought, "There's something wrong with that statement." <laughs> Watch me knock this out in forty-five minutes. It was like something he had to do, and he had a time, mm-hmm. and how fast he could it's do it. To-do list. Yeah, it was a to-do list. This was a Catholic priest. <laughs> Same thing with the prayer journal. I was sometimes it's seasons in your life you use the God will use something for your mm-hmm. prayer time, mm-hmm. your communion with me. He might want you to. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes, like, you know, same thing we said with the book, it's flexible. Like this book on prayer. Mm-hmm. And you read and go, uh, or a prayer journal is like, you need to write all these things down. Maybe sometimes you do. But if you start doing it, it's like a chore. Mm-hmm. Then you ask, oh, this is a chore. As soon as time slows down, you're in the flesh. When you get on your knees and you think you've been down there for an hour and you look up, it's been five minutes, don't waste your time. You're in the flesh. Get up, apologize, and say, come on, let's you and I go downstairs and watch the ball game. And start talking to him. What do you think about that? What do you think about this? switch over to praying in tongues. And then a lot of times that will then re-inspire Something in mm-hmm. intelligent language. Yeah, that's a good language. Yeah. But also, you know, with prayer, you're not praying to get something. Mm-hmm. You're praying because you you know it's already been made available. Mm-hmm. And I think we still you just using your faith to take to hook up with God. Yeah, mm-hmm. to take what you already got. You but most time we've been we've been taught you're praying to get something mm-hmm. that you don't have. I usually ask him what 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 he wants me to pray for, and now, then I'll pray for it. And I usually and I get it. But I'll ask him and say, "Put on my heart what you want me to have," because I don't particularly have anything I want. You know, the last thing I wanted was that truck, and I got that, so I don't. I haven't had anything since then. Say the thing that jumped out at me the most, and it was very early on when we were looking at the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, in that that part where the Lord commissions the disciples to say, thy kingdom come, mm-hmm. thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's like, it just jumps out, like, how much influence we can have. What, what has been invested in the body of believers, body of Christ, like uh, us as Believers, the amount of impact that we can have in our our prayer lives. 
right? And that's just so, this is, it's an honor and it's, can be scary to think about, okay, if, if more of us were doing this, we're communing with the Lord the way that some do, how much more of an impact could we have mm-hmm. on the world around us? And how scary it would be if those who, who, who are in active communion, how if how the impact that it would have if they stopped, right? If just, just you've taken away the salt, what would that do to households, to workplaces, to communities? Well, I think we're seeing that now. Why are we in the shape that we're in in our world? Because we weren't praying as, as perhaps we should have. I heard somebody say this too, you know, speaking of world issues, you know, that, you know, it's like we've discussed here before, like, you know, Democrat, Republican, Republican, Democrat, whatever. It's, you know, having God's view on things. And the thing is, I thought about that. I have a, um, we have a friend that we know from one of our um, former churches and really sweet lady and speaking of the dad thing, the way she talks about God, it's really cool too. She'll say, Lord, I was talking with the Lord the other day and her father wasn't that great either. So it's almost like a dad thing too. There, you know, I kind of noticed, but she was like, mm-hmm. you know, so with God. And I was asking like, what's going on with our country and stuff. And anyways, and she said that God showed her and her view the way, you know, God told her was it's not a, you know, it's not about, you know, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, this, that, whatever. It's about, there's a battle for, it was fear and faith or fear. It's like, there's fear, you know. That's it. It's good versus evil. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, yeah. But she was just like saying the fear. Like, you know, it's true. You kind of see that, you know, it's like there's fear. And I guess at least she was saying faith, you know, but, or love or some true love, God's love, you know, and it's mm-hmm. fear. And it's, it's, it's the shit that keeps going back and forth. And I go, if we really don't see God, like, you know, and like we've been talking about, like the party spirit, you know, if you're just like, I'm going to do a party, I'm going to do this, we're going to fix it in the natural way, mm-hmm. you don't go to the heart, then, you know, that is true, it's like fear, you know, it's you're going to try to clean to something, and it kind of comes out really crazy, but, you know, not having somebody really, like she did, you know, talking to and saying, God, what's the real issue going on here, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> me, you know, That's truly, yeah. All right. What would you say is the the thing that you still the area you want to grow in in prayer? Hearing his voice more clearly. Mm. Yeah. Always. Yeah. I know. You can get stuck in, if he speaks to you in a particular way, you can limit. Well, I'll talk about myself. <laughs> I can limit how he speaks to me. And then so I have to just kind of throw that away and, and yield and say, however you want to start. Because I think he doesn't want us to get used to, he's only talking one way. He wants mm-hmm. to be able to speak to us. So once we get, for lack of a better word, proficient at hearing him one way, he may quit speaking to us that way to draw us into a new way to bring us into deeper relationship. So I think we can get stuck in a rut of, oh, well, this is how God speaks to me. Well, maybe for a season he did, 
but I want to be more open because there was a way I used to hear from him more. Now he's not speaking to me that way. So what it did to me was make me very frustrated. And I found myself saying, I'm just not hearing him. I'm just not hearing him. And then that's a terrible confession. That'll guarantee I'm not hearing him. So I had to realize, no, maybe he's trying to speak to me in different ways. And I need to be much more open to that. Say however you want to do it. So I can agree with that because I, I feel like, you know, man, I'm like, okay, I'm, I want to be confident hearing him. Because, you know, I mean, I can look at season of my life when I was, feel like, I was hearing him like, oh, mm-hmm. he's speaking to me, do this, this, that, go here, go there. And it was mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and you know, you just, you just clear. You're on, you're on that top you of him. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like now I'm in a season where I'm like, okay, I'm not sure if I'm really hearing him. You know, like I used to. So, therefore, like you said, you get frustrated and you don't want to get frustrated. So, I resist that. But it's like, okay, am I, you know, what happened to that, you know, that you knew for sure, okay, this was him and you moved. And and it's like, well, now it's like, oh, no, like, you know, I'm not, it doesn't seem as sharp as it used to be. We were in the healing rooms, and what else did we do? Altar workers or something? What was it? We prayed it. Anyway, I used to pray for a lot of sick people, and uh, I was hearing God pretty clearly. But when I go to lay hands on people, I'd feel I'd feel the pain they had. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was at first, and finally, I, I, it kept happening. And I said to him one day, I said, "You don't have to do that." You can just tell me, and I can tell them what's wrong with them. You don't have to give me pain in my body. Well, guess what? He stopped. And then you don't always hear God clearly. And then you get to the place where, Lord, I'm not sure I'm hearing you clearly. Can you please put that pain back in my body <laughs> when I'm praying for somebody? And he hasn't done it yet. But I asked him not to, and he he stopped immediately. And and now, sometimes when I lay hands, I don't get anything. And I thought... Well, that pain would be nice to have right now. I know which way to pray, you know. So, I'm, a, I'm sorry. Um, I'm a billboard like kind of listener, or no, God sometimes does that kind of thing. Not a lot, sometimes a lot of times with my life. Like when I went through, like, I'm explain, like, kind of like you know, I'll see like a word somewhere or something, and just you just know God is talking to you. Like, there's no question, you know. Like, I used to work at a store when um, I was going through like thinking God was going to leave me. And I started listening to Andrew the first little bit of that and realizing God wasn't leaving me. And I would literally have like these catalog sheets I would, you know, fill out at the job I was at and I would be doing an order or something. And I would see a word, like it'd be like relax, it's returnable or something. And I would see the word relax. And I knew, I knew I would be doing my job, but in my heart, in my mind, I was so stressed. I'm like, God's going to leave. I'm going to do something wrong. All this stuff, yada, yada, you know, it'd be something like that. Or I'd see like a tag on a product and it would say free. It's like God was smiling. And you knew you saw free. Yeah. I knew. Yeah. Yep. And then like because of being sharpened up on that, God continued that into other, you know, when I got to I was like, You're my dad, you ain't leaving me, Jesus, thank you, I'm good. And there's like promises or things and walking in life. And I've literally, and mom knows what I'm talking about, I literally like have had my mind on nothing, but just like getting my mind off of things sometimes and just walk in a store and I've seen letters spell out stuff and I mean like it might be like initials like you know like monograms like T or J and you know and it's like 
Okay, that has to be God. I know. With God, all things are I will look over that, and I go, it's just amazing, you know, and I go, I was sharpened, you know, earlier on to that, and then now pops up, you know. With God, all things are possible. We're driving down the interstate and see this bullet working out. I was like, I know God just speaking to me, you know. He got something to do, that display, and it was perfect. Yeah. She goes, Mom, I'm going to walk along the store. She was... Upset about something, just talking mm-hmm. to you. She wanted to go like, talk yeah, to Just get your mind off there. I was going to go around. Go shop. I was looking at that. You know? I wrote. She goes, you can That's funny, God. Really? 50 years ago, I was at my sister's house, and I was, I'd was i only been saved a month or two. And she said, what's some of the things you heard about? I said, I just heard about Jesus showing signs and wonders and miracles. I said, and she said, what kind? I said, all kinds. People were seeing him here and seeing him there. I walked out of her back door and she walked out to walk me to the car. And all of a sudden she's looking up and going, Oh my God. Said, what? She said, look, it was a perfect picture of Jesus face. It's like somebody drew it, like an artist drew it in the sky. That is so cool. And I went, wow. And she called her husband who was like a real heathen. And he got to the door when the slant, when the screen door slammed, the thing went, disappeared. He, he couldn't see it. That well, is we so got to cool. see it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that word heathen, that's special to me because my mama called me that all my teenage years. Aww. She said, You heathen, you? <laughs> <laughs> and I was. That was an accurate statement. <laughs> Same with David Andrew. I like that story. You talk about his mom when she said, You know, something like, Andy, you ain't smart, smart enough. You ain't smart enough to do this. Yeah. She was only a mama could say that. Yeah, <laughs> she knew, but she, you know, it was God doing. It was God doing it, not you, Andy. So that's wow. Apparently, my mama still ninety-something years old. I'm like, don't you get there? I brought my mom to Virginia the, before she died, and uh, we were going over a bridge way far up. And when we went way way far up, I came on the radio. My radio show came on. And she got to listen to my radio show. And I, that had to be God because we were probably 50 miles out of the wow. range. We were Richmond and this was in No, it was further than that. Wow. And it came in clear as a bell. And I thought, this has got to be God. Yep. She listened for a minute and said, that's you. I said, yeah, that's me. She said, you're not bad. And I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think all this... No matter what it is that we want from God, it's what you keep saying. The the source is intimacy. Mm-hmm. Because we, I'll speak for myself again. I want a roadmap. Lord, give me blueprints. Make it easy, yeah. Let me just follow that. And he says, no, draw near to me, get intimate with me. And in the intimacy, it will be revealed to you what you need. But you want to see the plan. You want the steps. And I'm saying, no, just come spend time with me, and it'll be revealed. And that's so vague, you know, for us. And if, if you, mm-hmm. especially if you're an alpha-type female, that's hard. Because uh, you just you want to plan. You're task-oriented. and mm-hmm. Remember, we used to go to churches. I used to prophesy over people. And people would come up after it was all over and say, what, did you hear a voice from God? And I said, no. So I have like, it's intuitive. I never hear a voice. And uh, I used to ask him all the time, let me hear a voice. It was intuition though. It wasn't, a, you know, I never heard a spoken voice, you know, about some, something somebody, well, I was supposed to say to somebody. 
So there's always, you always have to use faith. And sometimes for me, I'm so focused on the answer. Give me the answer. And that's not the way he wants to give it to me. He wants me to just draw close to him and rest in him. And the more confident we get in his love and in our righteousness through mm-hmm. Christ, those other things will just flow. But I think we look at the goal mm-hmm. when the goal is a person. Right? Not the steps, not the blueprint. But when you step out to minister to somebody, there's two things you gotta overcome. You gotta overcome fear and you gotta walk out in faith. So those two things are always gonna be there when you go. You see a stranger across the room and the Lord says, Go speak to her. My first my first thought is, What do you want me to say? So I'll tell you when you get there, it's like you don't want to go there unless you have something to say, you know? But you get over there and say, Hey, I'd like to talk to you for a minute. You got a minute and Ask them if they need prayer, and they say, yeah, you lay hands on them, and all of a sudden it comes. But it's scary every time, and I've been doing it for 20 years, and it's still scary. Fear is always there when you're stepping out for the Lord. Well, I would like to thank everybody for their attendance during this series. I mean, I know we we talked a lot about, about prayer and how vital it is. And just we continue to come back to that same point of how important relationship is. And just to kind of, you know, tie everything up, some for us to think about, you know, as your children grow up, when they're younger, you have to give them specific step-by-step instructions for, for pretty much everything. But as they get older, you there's an increasing amount of freedom that they have. And once they leave the house, you as the parent have to rest in the confidence that what you've sown in them will be used to guide them as they venture off in their, in their lives. So considering how the Lord has invested his word, his spirit into us, and more the more we time we spent with him, could it be that he is he trusts us more in our decision making than we maybe realize. Well, yes, because the more we allow the indwelling spirit of Christ to lead us and guide us, the more that's really, we're just living out who we really are. And so we don't have to necessarily go for this conscious asking about every little thing. Not that we we don't pray about all things, but I think we're just led more intuitively by the spirit. The more you do that, the more it really becomes in actuality, who you are. You're living by that indwelling spirit of Christ rather than by a set of rules and regulations and let me check this, is this good or is this evil? You don't have to ask because it's intuitive because that's your DNA. The more it's written on your heart. Yeah. You know, where he said he writes yeah. laws on our hearts. You're just behaving like who you yeah, really are. Is, I've said, you know, just a quick example, made a quick word. I said before I went, when I went loony over who I thought God was and ran and did, you know, 
really didn't do crazy stuff, but I just kind of was like, ah, you know. And I was, I went to a bar on, um, like I said, I was going on uh, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve of 2018, bringing in 19. And I remember I bought a dress and I wasn't going to wear the dress and I tried it on and I remember looking in my mirror and I just go like, I can't wear this dress. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like, oh, God told you to not to. No, if God had told me not to, I'd have said, shut up, leave me alone, go away. And I'd said a bunch of vanity. I mean, literally, that's what was my part of my life. But it was my heart. Like, I, that's not what I wanted. That's not what I wanted. And I go, I knew, I was a believer. And I knew Jesus was just, I had so many screwy, you know, thoughts about him and stuff. But and you knew intuitively. I that literally, was, I know, that's like, that's not me. And then, like, <coughs> I'm, not I picked out a dress that I should have worn months before for my birthday, but I was too religious at the time to do it. I felt, I was pretty, I was feminine, but I go, this is what I want, you know? And it wasn't like God had to make me do something. It was just like crazy, you know, in a good way. All right, social media family, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next week. For a new series.